the first thing I said was it has to be in Richard's POV because I went down a rabbit hole of Richard Montañez in real life and he's funny and um, he's uneducated, but man, is he smart? He didn't understand a lot of, of, of corporate America you know, and structure and protocol. And that's why he broke it. Cause he was like, what, what is protocol? I don't even know what that means. I never wanted to make a movie about the flaming hot Cheeto. I wanted to make a movie about Richard Montañez cause his life is very interesting. Like he shouldn't even be alive, much less successful. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a factory custodian is inspired to turn a snack food into a worldwide sensation in director Eva Longoria's biographical drama, Flamin' Hot. The film tells the true story of how a former Frito-Lay janitor disrupted the food industry by channeling his Mexican heritage to create Flamin' Hot Cheetos and an iconic global pop culture phenomenon. In addition to Flamin' Hot, Longoria's other directorial credits include the movie for television, Glamorous, the documentary Latinos Living the American Dream, and episodes of Why Women Kill, Blackish, The Mick, and Jane the Virgin. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Longoria spoke with director Patricia Cardoso about filming Flamin' Hot. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How are you guys? I'm like, this is a great theater. I forgot. I haven't been here in so long. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, hi, everyone. So excited to be here. One of my favorite things of being a DGA member is these Q&As. <laughs> and I've watched them, and, I, and I've done a few of them, and I'm thrilled to have the privilege and the honor to be talking with Eva about her, her movie. Now, the honor is mine because I've been a fan of yours forever. It was your movie, <laughs> your movie that inspired me to be a director. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, so uh, congratulations. Beautiful, beautiful movie. You know, I saw it first in the small screen and today the big screen is even more beautiful. I saw even more. And I was just telling you, like, you know, there's, I could speak for two hours with you, yeah. but like one of the <laughs> we things. We usually do speak longer, you yes. and I. Yeah. One of the, you know, the things that impressed me the most was the respect for the characters, like the dignity with which you portrayed our community and the authenticity. How did you achieve that? Well, it was easy because our subjects, Richard and Judy are real people and they're full of dignity and grace. So it was very easy to portray that on scene, but authenticity was definitely the North star. And I think, um, that's probably why I got the job because I am Chicana, I am Mexican American. Um, and I berated them into giving me the job because <laughs> what happened was I, you know, this is my first time feature, but I've been directing TV for 12 years. Um, and I really touched every rung of the ladder. I, I directed short films and then I did, you know, half hour and then I did one hours and 
comedies and drama, single cam, multicam, um, you know, baby pilots, big pilots. And I love TV. I was like, I love the pace of it. I like staying with characters for long periods of time. I don't, I don't like a beginning, middle and end. And, and my agent sent me this script and she said, um, so I wasn't looking to do a feature. It wasn't like, I was like, now it's time for a feature. Um, but I never felt like a first time feature director either, you know, but I had to convince Searchlight um, that I was qualified. And, you know, as directing, it's hard to get a job when you don't have the body of work to prove you can do the job and you can't get the body of work because you can't get the job. You know? <laughs> and so, um, for me, uh, my agent sent it to me and she's like, you're never going to get this. <laughs> and she's like, not cause I don't believe in you, but because they, every director is going out for this. This is the most directors they've ever had submit on a project. Um, and you know, great, great people. Um, <clears throat> she's like, but take a read. I'd love for you to go into the room and impress them because maybe they'll give you a different job later on in your career. And I was like, great. I read it. I fell in love. I became obsessed. And I was like, how do I not know this story? He's Mexican American. I'm Mexican American. Everybody should know this story. And so I went in to meet Devon Franklin, the producer. Uh, and he, he remembers that I walked in with a binder and every single page was, noted, dog-eared, highlighted, scratched, marked, you know, I was like, this is not the movie, but the potential of what this story is, um, is endless. And, and it has to be me. It has to be me. It has to be my lens, which is his lens. I am Richard Montañez. Um, and, uh, and I think I guilted them into, into hiring me because I really sold them on this idea that if it is not authentic, people will smell it a mile away. If you put an extra in a bandana and make them a cholo, you know, people will see right through that. They're going to know it. If you put a different hot sauce on that table, our community will kill us, you know? <laughs> so I think I made them very nervous about <laughs> hiring anybody else. Um, but yeah, the authenticity and, and, you know, showing it's a love letter to the Mexican community as well. Mm -hmm. We haven't really had a story about us and by us in a long time. And, you know, we can't get a movie every 20 years. So I thought, what an opportunity to um, show the world who we really are. You know, mm -hmm. we're family oriented, we're hardworking, we're driven, we're smart, uh, and we contribute a lot to society. And this man's particular story contributed to a multi-billion dollar product that is known all over the world, mm -hmm. number one snack in the world. And it come, came from, from this man. Yeah. And how was your process of working, you know, with two screenwriters and then with the... Well, I didn't work with two. Um, but Lewis wrote the original draft, which is um, what they sent out to directors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so once I was hired, uh, they knew it was going to need a rewrite and, and we re redeveloped it from page one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew I wanted Linda Chavez. Linda Chavez created Hentified on Netflix. Um, but it wasn't that show. I read a spec script she wrote, um, about, um, there's a, a, a book award book. I'm not your favorite Mexican. I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing novel. And, uh, she adapted that one. And so when I read that script, I was like, who is this? I want to work with her. And I, I was obsessed and she wasn't available. And I, I was like telling, begging search, like, please wait. Like she's going to be worth the wait. She's the only one that can write this. She's an LA native. She's Chicana and she talks all like, like this, you know, she talks like them, you know, like me when I was a kid. And, but she mm -hmm. like went to Stanford and, <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, she's like an elite, uh, you know, educated girl. She's like, we should 
fucking overlay Oedipus theory on this, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah. So she had the best of both worlds. Like she's from the hood, but she knew character and structure and pace. And um, we sat down and, and we developed this during COVID. So we had time. It took us about two years to write this script. And we had time to um, throw out everything, all these ideas. And, and I shared my vision with her and um, she went to work. Yeah, she's incredibly talented. I actually, uh, she was part of Project Involved, Feel Independent, and I kind of mentored her through that program like in 2010, you know, a long wow. time ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I was, you know, when I saw she was writing the movie, I was like, oh, this is wonderful because she's going to really, yeah. she really bring her um, yeah. her flavor to it. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with all the, like the fantasy sequences? Well, sequence? that's uh, the first thing I, aren't they great? <laughs> If I do say so myself. No, yeah. I, I just, I, um, When I pitched, when I went in and pitched, my, my director's pitch was about two hours for Searchlight, like it, everything, tone and thematics and camera choreography and script notes and casting and music. And I mean, you have to really cover everything. And I, I edited a reel. I, um, I did a music list. I did, I mean, I just, I saw the movie it, in my head. It was this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but the first thing I said was, it has to be in Richard's POV because I went down a rabbit hole of Richard Montañez in real life and he's funny and, um, he's uneducated, but man, is he smart and he's charming, but he kind of feels dangerous because he was who he was, right? Like you're like, I'm not going to fuck with him. Uh, but he's so kind. So he was all these complexities. And I was like, the movie has to be in his voice. And the minute we did that, it, it was like this creative Liberty because we were in his mind And when we sat with Richard, Linda and I, um, he would say things like, man, you know how mean people were at, at the factory. And he goes, I wanted to kick this guy's ass so bad. Like <laughs> the hood in me was like, was going to do it. But of course I didn't. And I go, but what if you did, you know, <laughs> why don't we show that you did kick his ass, you know? And then he thought, um, a boardroom at a company was where they kept wood like boards <laughs> and um he's like i thought i thought they were like tuxedos i don't, I didn't know what what they kept saying well we got to ask the board and he's like why are they asking a piece of wood <laughs> you know for permission like i don't get it and so those boardroom scenes were were born of of him like he was saying all these funny things like he he didn't understand a lot of 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 corporate america you know, and structure and protocol. And that's why he broke it. because he's like, what, what is protocol? I don't even know what that means. Um, and so the movie, I never wanted to make a movie about the flaming hot Cheeto. I wanted to make a movie about Richard Montanez because his life is very interesting. Like he shouldn't even be alive, much less successful. And, um, so that, that like, every single scene is, is in POV. There's one scene that isn't, and it always bumps me, but there was no way around it. And I was like, oh, this is, I mean, he could have, a, he could have imagined this, but, and everybody's like, you're overthinking it. And I'm like, no, it's not in his mind. It's like, we have to be in his point of view the whole time. Um, so it, that's how those were born. And, um, Tony Shalhoub, who's fantastic as Enrico. Um, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> so funny because Jesse had to record the voices because it's, it, it is, you know, Richard's mind. So our actor, Jesse recorded all the character or the voices and Tony Schlub's first day was that fantasy scene. <laughs> and, uh, so he's like learning it and he's like, you pendejos are, and, uh, 
and he, I mean, like, I can't believe he trusted me because, you know, like, he's like, what? Um, and after we finished shooting it and he goes, that was so fun. So what am I saying? And I was like, well, you know, this is Mexican slang for this or that. And it was so great how it turned out. And I was, you know, one of my comps for that, one of my ideas was uh, drunk history. I love drunk history. And, uh, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we did it like in a drunk history kind of way. Um, so that was where those were born. Wow. And, um, uh, why did you decide to go through three decades, you know, from the sixties to the nineties and how did you approach that? Yeah. Um, I, it's so funny because again, I didn't want to make this story about the hot Cheeto cause I wouldn't watch that movie. Um, and so if you look at Richard's life, a lot of the most interesting things happened when he was a kid and when he was a gang, a gang man, a gang member and, the studio kept going, you got to get to the factory faster. Like we don't get to the factory till page 40. Like you got to get there page 10. And I was like, what page 10? Like I'm not invested in him. I don't know his story. I don't, I, I want to know where he was. So we know where he's going. Um, and that was a big fight with the studio. Cause they were like, no, it's got to go, you know, faster. We got to get there faster. And the movie has pace. I mean, I, I love the pace, um, and how we shot and, and how we edited, but they were like, we need to be in the factory. I was like, no, we need to be at his house. We need to be home. We need to be in Wasti. I want to see where he grew up. I want to see his dad. You know, um, again, when, when I sat with Richard, uh, and Judy, it was clear. We walked away from the first meeting, Linda and I would go, wow, this is a love story. And then we knew it was going to be a love story. It's going to be a love story. And oh yeah, he did this other thing. And then his relationship with his father really affected him in life. Um, and so that, that monologue that Jesse does about, you know, you beat, you beat the shit out of me every day. I didn't care. But the, the beating you do in my mind of telling me I'm shit, I'm not worth anything that last. And I can't, I can't get up from that. And you're like, oh, cause then you root for him later and you're, 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 you're on board with, with, you know, the outcome of the movie, you're just rooting for him. And so because of that, we had to be in the sixties. We had to be in the seventies. We had to be in the eighties. And I worked really closely with my DP because, uh, in my pitch, I said they should each have, uh, originally the script was delineated as well. We were kind of jumping back and forth. Um, and so to remind the audience of where we were quickly as a shortcut, I wanted, um, different lenses and looks every time. So if we we're in the sixties, not that it was sepia, but like you go, Oh yeah, obviously we're in the sixties. And then if we were in his gang life, I wanted that all to be handheld and a little frenetic and unstable because his life was unstable. Um, and then when he got into the factory, uh, when he arrives, he's very small in frame. Like a lot of the shots are wide and he's so tiny and he's really small and he's like the machines are just dwarfing him. And then later when he's successful, he is dominating the frame. So I had those ideas. I was like, it has, this is the visual language. This is what we're going to stick to. And then when Fede, Federico Cantini, the DP came, he, uh, read the script in 30 minutes. He was like me. He's like, I must shoot this. I have to be the one to shoot this. And Searchlight had me meet with so many, so many D DPs because mm -hmm. they wanted to surround me as a first time filmmaker, uh, with somebody amazing and great. And I met with like a lot of Oscar winners and, and I always felt like the little movie they were doing in between their big stuff. Right. And I was like, no, th this is a big movie. This is my big movie. So I need you to feel like it's a big mm -hmm. movie. And Federico was the only one that came in and was like, I have to do this. And when he presented to me, he goes, I think each decade needs to be different lenses. I think we should be handheld in the get, like we wanted to make the same movie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, this is, this is my soulmate. <laughs> so even before you told him your vision, I he came up with the yeah. same idea. No, he brought wow. the same ideas. He, 
took it 10 steps further with, with the lighting. Um, but also with the lenses that the lenses, the lens we used in the sixties is from the sixties. Um, and so, uh, Panasonic had to, um, it was a whole thing to get it. Like it was like came in a, with a bodyguard and, uh, <laughs> and they were like, you know, presenting the lens to us. Um, and it was all banged up and it, they told us what it shot, like this shot, you know, not the Godfather, whatever, but you know, like this shot, this movie, this shot, this movie, we're like, wow. So every time we use that lens, it was like a big deal. Um, but that was, you know, Feather was like, and then we're going to use these lenses, like the 1970s lenses for the seventies. And he really wanted it to have that authentic oh. look. He was fantastic. It looks so beautiful. And I noticed a few times you have the camera, like the 360. Yeah. Um, uh, how did you come up with that? Well, you know, for me, camera choreography is driven by emotion. That's why I was like, oh, in the gang life, he's unstable. Let's do handheld. But with the, anytime it was spinning, it was, he was disoriented. He was amazed. Um, and we had an, honestly, like we had an amazing a camera operator who inspired a lot of shots. Um, he was just brilliant. So he, you know, I had the shots, I had the blocking, we had our shot list. We were so prepped, me and Fede. And then he would come and Danny would go like, you know, I could, I could do this. And he was, he was amazing steady cam operator. And we're like, really? Well, let's see it. And I would always say, show me. Every time I didn't, I couldn't see something in my head. I would just say, show me. And they'd put the lens on and he'd show me. And I was like, oh, that's much better. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of, a lot of those camera moves also were just our amazing A camera operator wow. being amazing. And our A focus puller was amazing. Like she got the emotion of the scene. I never had to tell her like, and then you're going to rack back and then you got to rack for, and then you got to grab her line because she, she, and it was a woman, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's amazing, like those things can make or break your movie. Um, so I remember I was directing Grand Hotel and we had a horrible, uh, I know, focus puller. And I was like, we just kept, she kept buzzing the shot and buzzing the shot. And I'm like, you know, this is killing us. We're never going to make the day if we have to keep redoing this because she doesn't know where, or, you know, she doesn't know where to go. Um, and so I was so grateful for the talent that I had. Yeah. So some of those shots were motivated by talent like oh we can do this let's do that and equipment like our grip our key grip was amazing rudy and he's like i've got the bazooka and i was like what does it do I mean, <laughs> and yeah. he would show me and i was like oh my god let's do that you know it was I, my my mantra on set is like best idea wins i have no ego it's not my way i have a vision and i stick to the vision but that's the reason you hire you know your department heads and your 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 team is because you want people smarter than you around you to have these amazing ideas. Mm -hmm. And you also have an incredibly talented cast. What yeah. was the casting process? Yeah, it was hard because it was COVID. We actually shot this in the tail end of COVID, but we still had, we had, we had masks, we had shields and we were in July in, in Albuquerque. We were dying. Um, we had to pay so many fines for our trucks because they melted the asphalt. Like the, it was so hot that our trucks were so heavy. We did damage to the streets every time we parked, but that's how hot it, we were, we were melting the street, the streets were melting. Um, and to have the shield and the, this, and we were, we were dying. Um, so we were casting during COVID super COVID. Um, so everything was zoom, but once we got down to our, our Jesse and Annie, I mean, our Richard and Judy, I begged the studio, like, I have to physically see them. I have to touch them. I have to direct them. I want to, I need to see if they have chemistry. And, um, so through a whole crazy process, uh, they allowed me to do that, but it was, it was like, we had to go in a room, 
one person could come in. We would do one reading. We'd all have to exit the room. They'd come fumigate the room and then we'd come (laughs) back in and we could only be in the room four minutes at a time. Like it was crazy. I mean, for Mm -hmm. our safety, but it was like... (laughs) Oh, TK, our first AD's here. There's TK. How hot was it, TK? Yeah. So when you have a lightning thing, you have to shut down. Like you can't even finish this. You have to stop in the middle of your take and and shut down. And so we had a lot of fun doing those. Um, But we we had a really, really talented group. I, I mean, TK was amazing. And that was another thing is like, like, I, I watched the movie, I've watched the movie a thousand and eighteen times and uh and I noticed the amazing work you did, DK, with the background. Like there's not one person out of place, everybody's doing their job, and I can't, and I keep meaning to tell TK this. Um, but I just go, look at that cross. That guy crossed right in the right time. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not watching Jesse and Annie anymore. I'm like looking at the guy at the at the Pepsi machine in the back. Um so you did a great job, TK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a great AD team. I mean, our second AD, our second second, it was really, they were amazing. Yeah. Um, but so casting, so sorry, I, I digress. <laughs> um, so Jesse, uh, you know, it, this was a hard role to cast Richard specifically because he had to play four different, an actor could play four different decades. Um, like I said, Richard, the real Richard's really funny, but he's also pretty scary. Um, he's really smart, but he's not educated. Um, he had to be really tough in the gang scenes and at the factory, he had to be charming and kind of naive. And then he had to be super vulnerable with Judy. And so in the casting process, I originally just did factory scenes, um, you know, for actors and they would come in and just do these, all these factory scenes because 50% of the movies in the factory, um, then if they made a callback, we switched them to Vacho scenes and um, uh, gangbanger scenes, like more neighborhood scenes. We got out of the factory and gave them real life scenes. And then if they passed that, then the last, the test, the testing scenes were Judy. How was he with Judy? Could these actors do Judy? And Jesse was like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, Jesse, Jesse's funny. He's serious. You know, you fall in love with him. Like his, his demeanor and likability is insane. It just pops off screen. And then Judy, um, like I said, Judy wasn't even in the original script. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, how's she not in the script? Like, this is like <laughs> so important. And again, we were like, this is a love story. And I centered her as, you know, the heartbeat of the film. She is the heart of the film. And for me as a Latina, like we don't get to see that strong, amazing Latina mm-hmm. on screen a lot. We see like the, the girlfriend of a victim of, you know, um, these women in the background in a kitchen. And the fact that Judy drives, you know, this man to greatness was beautiful to witness. Mm-hmm. And so Annie came in, Annie's from the hood, Annie's from East LA. Um, she is Judy. Um, and so she was fantastic. And when we did the chemistry test, that was, it was gold. Like they were just so good together. So, so good. You felt like they'd been a couple their whole life, which Richard and Judy have been mm-hmm. the real ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just it, definitely like the relationship that you created mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the, the, it's, yeah. you know, you, every single frame, you feel that really married. Yeah. They really together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Another relationship that was really interesting to watch was the relationship with Clarence. Clarence, yeah. Yeah. How, how, you know, it's so funny. Clarence wasn't in our, in our first, mine and Linda's first draft. Um, and you know, we're reading the drafts and I said, God, I wish, I wish the factory was a little more filled out. 
let's go back to Richard and ask him, like, do you have friends? Or like, was there, like, and, and he was like, no, you know, he was kind of a real big loner, um, there. And, and it wasn't until like last, the last time we talked to him, he goes, I mean, there was a black guy named Julius and he was amazing. Um, and we're like, what are you tell us? This is amazing. Like, what? And then he proceeded to tell us his name is Julius in real life. Um, and he said, yeah, he, he was really hard to crack because he had to work. So he was a black man who couldn't get ahead at the factory. And so they kind of united it like being black and brown, but even Richard couldn't crack him. He goes, it took me years to, to learn from him. And, um, they became very good friends and, and he just passed away two years ago, the real Julius. And uh, Richard was a pallbearer uh, at his funeral. So it seems that you did like kind of an archaeology in Richard to find all these stories. Oh, we had to pull lots of Let me tell you, because they're, they're Christians um, and they're people of faith. And so they've really left behind who they were. And so when Linda and I sat with them originally, they were very hesitant to give us the details. Because I was like, I need the details. Did you deal drugs or did you do drugs? You know, that's important. Um, and what, what, what did you smoke pot or did, was it like pills or was it heroin? Was it cocaine? Like I needed to know specifically for the character and, and for props or, you know, like what was it? And they would go, Oh, you know, bad, bad stuff. <laughs> like, no, but was it, was it, was it this, was that? Like I need to know. Um, and it took, a, it took a lot of trust for us to pull it. Cause they were like, you know, they're such upstanding, amazing people. They're great grandparents now. And so there was a, a lot of shame in like telling that story. And those stories aren't really in his memoir. Uh, the two memoirs he he's written, um, it's about his time at Pepsi and you know, his ambitions. And I was like, right, but tell me about your dad. And he's, and he would be like, Oh yeah, my dad, you know? And then we, Linda and I just like lean in, <laughs> like, tell us more. So pulling that out, was hard. And, uh, and eventually they trusted us to like, people have to know where you were because where you end up is a beautiful place and, and look where you are today. I think a lot of people will learn from that specifically from our community. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, going back to casting though, I will say also I was adamant about casting real cholos because we were shooting in New Mexico. I was like, we can't, put, you know, any Latino in a bandana, like it's gotta be authentic. And I was such a big fan of the show Cholos Try. Have you seen this show? It's on YouTube. And, uh, those are the guys I got. So it's like Cholos who try white people. Um, so like Cholos try kombucha, uh, Cholos try kale chips, you know, Cholos go ice climbing and they are hilarious. Cause they're like, who the fuck does this man? And, uh, and they were, they're so funny. So I, I took all their tapes from YouTube and I took it into searchlight. I was like, I want these guys. And they were like, um, okay. Why? <laughs> um, and I was like, because they are, they embody, um, you know, the Cholo culture and they've also come out on the other side. They're actually, you know, actors and they, you know, they have also a past, um, and they're really, amazing human beings. And that Tony Romero storyline about dealing drugs because his mom had chemo, that's a true story. That's one of their stories. He's like, I only dealt drugs because my mom had chemo. Nobody could pay for it. So he was like, so I did it. It was just easy. It was easier, you know? I mean, it was the only thing that made that much money. I mean, talk about our healthcare system. But, um, and, uh, and 
so for me, it was really important that that had a lot of authenticity. So if you were at La Leaf, you saw all of them there and they were like so excited to be on a red carpet and to be in a movie, you know, but that was important for me to, to get that right because I didn't want anybody thinking I'm making fun of them. No, I'm honoring this culture. It's a beautiful culture of, of unity and family. And, and that's also true. Richard did try to go back to deal drugs and, and, um, oh, I forget the real guy's name. Tony Romero is a real guy, but that's not his name. Uh, he didn't let him, he wouldn't let him deal drugs again. He goes, Nope, you have a job, you have kids, you're doing good. Go do that. And he wouldn't, the, the main dude wouldn't, wouldn't let him. Yeah. I yeah. Thought, um, that I thought that was incredible, like the empathy that you have for the characters and how you yeah. are breaking the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. That was really well, what's important. And and like I said, because Linda Chavez, our writer, is from that community, she has some incarcerated family members. You know, I've had incarcerated family members, and so for us, that's like that's that's uncle, that's uncle, that's our deal. That's not really a stereotype. That's like mm -hmm. somebody we know who's a dad, who's kind, who's loving. Like we don't see the bad side, and so it was nice to have the flip side of of what we usually see yeah. Uh, yeah. about our community. Yeah, you did a beautiful job. We have only f five more minutes. So oh, I'm sorry, I talked too much. No, I, I keep talking. I, I could keep talking for hours. But uh, my last uh, question is like about your process of uh, directing actor. How do you prepare to your actors and how did you work with them? Um, Because you, did, you got such amazing performances. Thank you. you know, that is my superpower. And I will say that, you know, I was talking to Taika Waititi before I got this job. And I said, how did you go from those tiny movies to Thor? You know, I want you scared. Like, oh, my God. and he's one of my favorite directors. And he said, there was equipment on Thor. I didn't know what, what it did. <laughs> he's like, is there was equipment that cost more than all my movies combined? Like just that piece of equipment uh, on Thor. And he said, I re what I'll tell you is, he goes, they didn't hire me to know that. Why did they hire you? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, they hired me because... I'm really good with actors and I really know this community. Like I knew those were my superpowers. I don't need to know all the lenses that are out there. I don't need to know, you know, what the bazooka does. Like you don't have to know that. You have to know the story and you have to know character. And for me, um, I think that came through. Also the little boy Bryce, um, the TikTok, he's a TikTok star. Um, that was the other little boy I wanted as the son, Bryce Gonzalez and search. I was like, no, like he's not an actor. He's going to be very big. And sure enough, he came in the audition. He was way too big. I mean, he was very tick, you know? And I said, I guys, I promise you, I can direct him. Just let me get in there. Let me work with him. I'm going to direct him. And the minute I sat with him, it was a different, different kid. Search. It's like, I can't believe you did that. It was like, yes, you have to work with actors. Um, and you have to be a good communicator. And, you know, obviously because I'm, I'm an actor, I, I've had so many bad directors <laughs> that I know what not to do. Um, and so we had a really good shorthand um, and Jesse and Annie were great. The, the only thing I will say about the actors was like, we had a serious conversation. I think my, all my TV experience really paid off to shoot this movie because we moved at a TV pace. I mean, there was the head of production at search. I kept saying, you will never make these days. These days are impossible. This schedule that TK is showing us is impossible. And we kept going, it's not. It's not. What are you talking? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't think we would finish the movie because they didn't realize how fast I move. I, I move so fast and efficient, and I'm super prepped. So I know, you know, I'm 12 steps ahead from this shot right now, and we're lighting two other sets at the same time, and we have multiple cameras. And um, so they were very nervous we weren't going to make day. So I told the actors, I specifically Jesse and Anne, I said, "There cannot be one day I'm waiting on you." 
I will not wait for you on set. I need you prepared. I need you can, you know, this, and I, you know, you have to have that conversation ahead of time because if you get those actors and, and I, and I didn't hire the, that actor, there was a mm-hmm. couple other ones that probably weren't going to be as game as Jesse and Annie to, um, hustle. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need you to go to war with, we're going to be in war and, and, and the war is against time. I don't have time. And if you want, we don't want to drop any scenes. We got to get, we got to, we got, this is the plan. This is the battle plan. And they were like, yeah, great. Got it. Yeah. So, um, I had a lot of trust in them and they had a lot of trust in me. And, um, it's, it's about communication with actors and, and, and doing a lot of that work before set. You do not do that work on set. Do not figure that out as we're lighting. <laughs> like we had to do rehearsals. Let's talk it through. What do you have a problem with? What are you not comfortable with? Um, this is my idea. What's your idea? Um, usually my idea one. Uh, <laughs> no, that's what Jesse says. He goes, you always made it seem like it was my idea. But then I go, wait, that was her idea. <laughs> that's another trick. Just make them think it's yeah. their idea. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Eva, thank for you for sharing guys. with us your super fun. Thank you. Thank you all for coming out. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.